Yeah, welcome everyone. Seems a lot of people are interested in fear. <laughs> and uh, that's what I would like to uh, explore with you tonight and on Sunday and I think also next month when I come because uh, in the Tibetan tradition there's plenty of tools plenty of methods to work with fear so uh, I'm not going to cover everything uh, this month so what I'm going to explore tonight is how can meditation help us how can mindfulness the practice of mindfulness or meditation help us to move from reactivity to move from being overtaken or controlled by our fears uh, to a more easygoing, a more spacious, a more compassionate relationship to fears, to our fear. And uh, I would like to start with uh, some minutes of just sitting quietly so that we have some space to check in and to make a shift from the busyness of the day the disembodied state of the day to uh, being here and just checking in how you are and meeting yourself and there's not much you need to do so it's more that you allow that to happen, this shift, by gently bringing your awareness, your attention into your body. It's like a leaf falling down onto a lake. And you notice your posture and how the chair carries you. feet on the ground and really just meeting what you find um, and maybe you find tiredness or some restlessness <coughs> or maybe you find peace or well-being so no matter what you find You give space, you allow, you let be. And how is your belly? Maybe you can allow yourself to soften your shoulders somewhat.
So this is an invitation, this moment, to just be yourself, to just bring yourself along. It's a breath. And as best as you can, I invite you to be here with an attitude of friendliness really a friendliness towards yourself and towards your feelings, towards who you are just in this moment. This might be one of the most important ingredients of meditation unconditioned friendliness, being present with yourself. And of course there are thoughts coming and going, but right now there's nothing to think about, nothing you need to understand or to figure out. So could you just for a few moments allow the thoughts drift like clouds, neither suppressing nor indulging in them. Just let them be. Returning to your own energy, returning to the breath. Notice how some still comes in, some quiet comes in. Could you allow yourself to find a place of rest in the midst of this moment, just as it is? nothing. Just being, breathing, softening.
And whenever you notice that you are carried away, that you are being carried away by a storyline, by judgments, not making out, not making a problem out of that. It's not a big deal. But when you notice that, then allow yourself to come back. Allow yourself to realize you are here in a moment where there's nothing to do. Where you can be just yourself. Could you for a moment acknowledge that there is stillness? Even if your mind is agitated, stillness is also happening. Can you feel this stillness in your belly, in your heart? So I'm going to uh, talk now a bit about the topic, Smile at Fear. And then after the break I'm going to lead a meditation, a possible start to um, explore fear and find a different way to be with fear. And then uh, there will be space for some questions. So the first thing I would like to say about fear is that um, working with fear with meditation or mindfulness does not mean that you 
get rid of fear. Because uh, that is impossible. So when in the Buddhist teachings uh, you read sometimes the word fearlessness, fearlessness does not mean to get rid of fear. Fearlessness describes a certain way to be with fear. So fear is necessary. Fear is a protector. Fear is part of our survival system. It's a protector. So one of the first uh, steps uh, working with fear is to really appreciate and accept that we as a human beings experience fear. There's nothing wrong with your fear. So maybe now you're disappointed. <laughs> I, I, w- <laughs> I, w- I want to get my money back. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought meditation is about controlling or getting rid of or uh, it's kind of or like sometimes there could be impression that meditation is about uh, uh, developing into something above a human but then slowly we discover that meditation is actually a path of becoming more human. It's, it's, a, it's a path towards being a human, not a path of uh, away from being a human. So, but obviously there is a kind of unhealthy unhealthy expression of fear when fear takes over when fear starts to control us and when we listen to our fear in the sense that we stop to do what we are afraid of so when you listen to your fear in that way then your life becomes smaller and smaller and you stop to express your talent. You stop to express what you are. You, you stop to express your calling because you're afraid. And when you stop to express your calling, then you become unhappy in your life. You become depressed. What means calling? Calling is like, uh, you know, what you feel you're supposed to do. You know, your talent, your creativity your contribution, and we all have our gifts to give. Very, very unique and personal. That does not mean that we are supposed to be famous or uh, successful, um, but we all have this, uh, you know, this urge. It's, in the Buddhist teachings, it's said it's part of our Buddha nature, the, the longing to, uh, to reach out, to contribute, to help, to heal, to make this place a better place. But then if you listen to your fear, then you stop to 
bring that out and your life becomes smaller. So there it is so important that we find a different way to be with fear so that it does not stop us from doing what we are supposed to do. So that it does not stop us to express the love we carry in our heart. So the uh, one one way to explore uh, fear and like unhealthy the unhealthy relationship to fear is to look at uh, the you no know, the the, the uh, kind of from, from seen from the evolution that we have this. Uh, fear response, the fight-flight response, which is our survival instinct. Now, that's very deep in our uh, nervous system, and it's necessary. It's a protector. Our problem is that uh, the other part of our, you can say, brain, yeah, the other pa- part of our brain, the, the frontal cortex, our capacity to think, our capacity to imagine, our capacity to reflect, which is our biggest gift, but it is also our curse. And what happens is that our the fight-flight response in our nervous system can't distinguish between an imagined attack and a real attack. So we are the only species on this planet who can who is able to be in a safe nest like right now we are not threatened there's no no tiger around here uh, yeah uh, but we can sit here and be in hell because we can think about what the boss said today and we can think about that tomorrow we can't find the bi- we can't pay the bill uh, we can uh, we can we can freak out with something which happened 20 years ago <laughs> and we can freak out with something which will never happen. And uh, so we are able to uh, lock us in a constant stress reaction, in a constant fight-flight response. And that's when fear takes over. Yeah, that, that's where, where fear starts to control us. So that's the kind of uh, uh, unhealthy response uh, which we can work with in with meditation. Moving from uh, the reactivity to uh, I wrote here attend befriend. So attend, befriend. That's like the direction we, we move into the, uh, in, in, in mindfulness practice, in meditation. And again, that is 
not where we want to move to because what we want is to build out of the experience. And uh, I will show you uh, uh, a method you know, which supports you in, in that courage to stay and to approach the experience of fear. So to understand this, uh, you know, this trouble we are in through these two kind of uh, aspects of, of a human, you know, the animal reptilian fight-flight and the conceptual frontal, frontal cortex uh, frontocortex aspect of uh, the conceptual mind, how that creates a problem. The other um, important um, description uh, of fear, which is very helpful if we want, if we are go- starting to work with fear, is to distinguish between the somatic aspect of fear. So that's the sensations in your body. So when we uh, uh, explore the practice of attending and befriending, what we are talking about is attending and befriending and exploring and becoming curious about the somatic aspect of fear. Where fear expresses itself in your body. I will say a few uh, uh, more about that uh, soon. Then the second is the cognitive aspect. That's the storylines. Yeah. So and it's quite easy to see how in meditation a big part of meditation is to find a different relationship with the stream of thoughts, with the stream of thinking. So, in, in, in the different practices which uh, Tibetan Buddhism offers, uh, you either work you're kind of very close with the somatic aspect, or you work with the cognitive aspect, with the, with the conceptual aspect, or a combination of both. And the third uh, Ingredient or the third aspect of the fear complex is the behavioral aspect. And here is what we need to explore is all our coping strategies uh, which we use to not feel how we feel, to not feel the fear. And that could be drinking, smoking, getting busy, uh, shopping, you know, it's like we are s- we we do everything to just avoid discomfort. It's like painkillers, tranquilizers, and one of the most challenging discomforts we experience as human beings is fear. 
the sensation, it seems almost like it will kill us to stay there. It, it won't, of course, but it feels like. And one dangerous coping strategy in our society uh, to in, uh, which uh, we use not to be there in f- with the fear is getting busy. So, and then we become, in, we get into this um, cycle, you know, so we're getting busy, 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 and the busyness itself becomes a problem. So we start to burn out. And then our life gets more and more out of control, so we have more and more fear, which we don't want to feel, which we don't want to look at. So then we might take tranquilizer for a while, but that does not work because it does not address the problem. It's just putting a lid on the fear. So we can, and we can continue to run. No? So we don't feel the fear, we don't feel our feelings, so we can continue to function, we can continue to run. And then at one point, the collapse, the collapse. So that's the third. Uh, the third um, aspect of uh, you know uh, exploring fears, you know, the behavioral aspect, uh, and there's practices which particularly work with that. You know, how how can you work, for example, with a pattern of addiction, like with the urge of smoking a cigarette when you feel fear? So how can you work with that? So that's that. That there are practices in mindfulness practices, which which uh, help you to work with these urges. So the the somatic aspect of fear. I think that's that's um, maybe that's one of the kind of main uh, inspirations I want to share uh, with you tonight. If you uh, go away from here and you just have somewhat more curiosity, somewhat more courage about the somatic aspect of your fear, that would be great. That you start to explore that. And that you uh, become aware of moments of fear, for example, tonight, when you can't fall asleep, or tomorrow morning when you wake up, that you take a few minutes to pause and to feel into your body. Maybe you wake up tonight and you can't, you can't fall asleep because uh, you know, some of the fears we have during the day, we can take them, we can you know, we can suppress them. They kind of, we get busy and we drink coffee and so we, we, we take them, you know, we, they are down there. But then they come in the night in our dreams. And then when we wake up, they, they are there. So that would be a good moment for you to not do the usual thing of, you know, getting off into the stories and thinking and what I called, what I called here, the sticky, stressful story. 
Yeah? The sticky, stressful story. Probably you have a few of those right now going on in your life. <laughs> the sticky, stressful, stressful story. So, so instead of... And of course, you know already... It, it does not make sense to think the story again. There's no creativity, there's no movement. It's just the old... It's like 100% the same story like yesterday. It, and for some people, it's the same story like 20 years ago. So, there is the invitation when the sticky, stressful story appears. There is the invitation to ask yourself, how does this feel in my body? Where is this in my body? This is so simple and so profound and so helpful. I wish I could convince you. Now this, of course, I will, you know, with the, the breathing uh, meditation, I will show you after the break. You know, there is some support and some tools you can use. But um, uh, there, there is already so much healing possible, so much transformation if you again and again cultivate the habit to come from the disembodied state, yeah? do you know what I mean with the disembodied state? So it could be that today, if you look kind of back today, that you almost were never were with yourself, just be with yourself. That you almost never... Maybe because the weather was nice today. Maybe there were a few moments where you sat on the bench and you just enjoyed the sun. Maybe. Yeah, hopefully. So the disembodied state is that kind of way where we are not here, but we are in stories, constantly in this mental dialogue. We are not present for the people because we think what we're going to say or how stupid that person is or... Uh, and we are not present to ourselves because we constantly criticize ourselves and push ourselves and we are not good enough. And we are also not in the city because we say, we think this and that and, uh, and we are back and for and, and we are not here. So that's the disembodied state. And uh, really a, part, a big part of meditation you know, just the meditation posture, like the preliminary practice of meditation, connecting with your breath, you know, the posture itself is this move of you know, seeing, wow, there's a, there's a different way of being than being in trance. It's a trance. A trance, trance, a trance. And the question you can ask to bring yourself from the blah, blah, blah and, you know, to a more disembodied state is, how does this feel in my body? Where is this in my body? Getting to know the fear body. Getting to know the body of fear. And I, I promise you 
it's not dangerous. So the the attend, you know, the the attend, attending, is is the the first the the first uh, kind of it's the move of um, moving towards the fear body, touching it, and you can do this with the in breath. Yeah, so the in breath can guide you into, can support you into uh, touching the fear body. Now, if, if fear is not the theme you work with, uh, sadness, for example, is maybe your theme. What, yeah? So it's, it's the same. Fear is just one example. So with the in-breath, it's a gesture of attending, no, Thich Nhat Hanh uses this expression of uh, bathing the fear body with the breath. And uh, if you use the breath as a support, what happens actually, like bringing your attention to the breath and, uh, and with that also slowing down the breath, that itself has a measurable impact, immediate impact on your stress level. One could also use, uh, to support that gesture, you could use your hand and put it on your belly or onto your heart. And again, that has a measurable, as, as mammals, we are we are wired to respond to soft touch. You can't help yourself that when you are touched gently, and if you touch yourself gently, that something in you responds. Response. There is a response to that. And I'm not saying... Uh, it makes it go away because as I said in the beginning it's really not about it going away no, because then sometimes people say oh it does not work <laughs> and then when I explore then uh, then, I, then it's obvious that there, there was this hope that, that fear might go away and will stay away forever that's why, that's why there is a sense it does not work. But if there is some softening, some more space, yeah, so the attending with, with, uh, with, uh, with, the, uh, with this curiosity, And then the befriending. So the befriending uh, can be combined with the out-breath. So the befriending is uh, creating space. 
giving space. It's a, it's a gesture of compassion. So with the in-breath, touching the sensations, holding them gently, touching them softly. With the out-breath, you give yourself space. You give yourself relief. And that, uh, and I think I'm going to say more about that on Sunday, that actually leads then to a more profound, uh, into a more profound gesture in working with fear, and that is to discover the spacious vastness of your own mind, of your own being, where there is space for fear because you are so much bigger than the fear. So that's like uh, where working with fear can lead into, really exploring the nature of awareness, really exploring the nature of your mind, and to discover the boundarylessness of your own own awareness, where there is space for fear, where where the fear can be. It's like a cloud in the, in, in the blue sky. But initially, of course, it seems because we contract and we resist and we fight. And then our, our, mi- our body contracts and our mind becomes very small. And all, all there is is this bill we can't pay and the sensations with it. So, uh, again, the the attending with the in-breath, and I'm going to lead a meditation after the break. With the in-breath, like the touching, exploring, getting to know the fear body in the shoulders, in the chest, in your hands, wherever it expresses itself. And with the out-breath, space, giving yourself space, compassion. So now, sometimes, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, doing this seems to be impossible because there is just not the space. It seems to be so overwhelming. And uh, in that case, there is a possibility of a kind of preliminary practice, which I described into the, in, in, in these two steps. And the preliminary practice is to find a safe place. In, in psychological um, words, you would say to find a resource. 
to connect with the resource. In, in the Buddhist teachings, you would say to find a true refuge, a true, a true refuge. So there's a lot of fa- false refuges when we work with fear. So the false refuges is to get drunk. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm not condemning you if you get drunk. That's, that's okay. Uh, but it's not a refuge. It ca- it's not a safe refuge. It's not a true refuge. Uh, Alex Burson uses this uh, word for refuge, going into a safe direction. So uh, the false refuges, they are not a safe direction. They actually become a part of the problem. Yeah. So one of the first steps in the, in the Buddhist approach uh, would be to find a safe place, to go into a safe direction, to find a true refuge. So, if for, like for a Buddhist practitioner uh, who has you know, worked with this and who has some faith and th- some trust, that, that could be the, the Lama, the teacher, or it could be the, the Buddha, it could be the path, it could be... Um, yeah, so... Uh, uh, practices uh, uh, and aspects of the Buddha Dharma which, you know, for you truly like in your heart not as a just as a concept but truly in your heart uh, to find a safe place uh, but so but there's other safe places so like a very uh, kind of simple safe place is to look for a safe place in your body. For example, how are your feet? My feet are quite fine right now. And when I check my feet, uh, sometimes throughout the day, they are actually, I mean, if I take care of them, you know, if I can my feet I give them a massage and I say them thank you I say thank you and you know, they are quite happy so I might have tension here and uh, pain in my heart yeah but then if I sense into the feet into the connection of the earth in, in the Buddhist meditation training, the whole posture ex- expresses that, that safe place in your hands. Sometimes, uh, if you are afraid and you get to know the fear body, then you notice it's actually mainly in the chest, for example, and that your belly is quite okay. And we have this... Uh, really wonderful capacity to pay attention, to direct our attention. It's a capacity you train in meditation. 
What do you pay attention to? There is some choice there. It's not easy. You can just say, I don't want to think that anymore. But there is some choice. You can bring your attention away from a stressful story to sensing the Buddha in front of you. You have that capacity to a certain degree, and that capacity can be trained so that at one point you can really say, I want to pay my attention to my breath and not to the stressful story about what is going to happen tomorrow. So finding the safe place can be, of course, for us very much as social beings, a relationship. So if you have a kind of uh, fear issue which goes into a a traumatic uh, into a traumatic experience, Mm -hmm. then definitely if you want to go into befriending the fear, which is what you need to do in psychotherapy, uh, there the relationship to the therapist, to the coach, to the teacher provides you with this safety. Someone holding your hand, which could be a friend, of course, also. Uh, One of the safe places in the Buddhist teachings is compassion. I've heard that quite often from uh, some of the Tibetan teachers who say the only protection, the only true protection is compassion. So, and again, you can kind of connect that with uh, with the understanding of us a, as social beings. Uh, the connectedness, friendship and love, holding the hand, being held. So when I say uh, the attending, befriending, I'm not saying, you know, we are supposed to jump into there. Like now we, you know, we get our shit together and and we face the fear. Uh, No, Uh, of course, we are, we have friends, we have sangha, we have teachers, we have therapists. So we, we take, uh, we take the support which we need. But there is no other way than going towards it. You can't escape. And from the Buddhist point of view, you can't escape at all. You, you know, so even dying is not an option. I mean, <laughs> yes, you, you would think. You, I mean, you would think, okay, you know, this life is just too much. I, I didn't have. You know, it's like hopeless, so I just die. But from the Buddhist point of view, it's uh, it, it does not. You know, it does not help. It does not <laughs> help to die. <laughs> so, the, it's like the, there is no choice. 
you have to do it, but you don't have to do it alone. And you can't do it alone, actually. Uh, so, like the, you know, facing your fear and leaning into it and exploring it, really it's so important to see that for many of us the first step has to be to connect with the resource, to find a safe place to cultivate refuge, true refuge, safe refuge. And then you take your time. You go your own pace. And in the beginning it's maybe just, you know, like looking at it. Oh, yeah. And then go back to the refuge. And then you lean into the sharp edge again. And then you connect again with refuge. And in and in the Buddhist uh, in the Buddhist practice, that's you know part of uh, every meditation practice that you start with taking refuge, establishing your refuge as a sense of safety. To create a safe container. where that process of transformation can happen. And uh, as I said, one can work with safe places in your body. You can work with safe images. With Jesus or as a Buddhist with the Dalai Lama or with the Buddha himself. And then from that place, and that might be, uh, no, like in a, in a therapeutic relationship, one will maybe work for that a long time to establish the connection with the resource, a connection with the safety, before you then go into the shadow. For some people, uh, the, the attending and the befriending is something which comes quite natural. I, I would say for many people. Yeah? So there, there does not need to be this caution around, uh, but you can, you know, so you establish the connection with your refuge, and then you explore.
So then, the what I this so we have the break, but I just want to mention the second is that is the uh, you know the compassionate presence, which uh, starts to open when you befriend the compassionate presence with yourself and with the people around you. Where there is space for fear. Okay, so let's have a 10 minutes break, 15 minutes, 10 15 minutes, and then I will lead a meditation, uh, the attending, befriending meditation. And I can tell you already, I'm not going to lead you into some amazing fear or something. <laughs> it's a possibility, yeah? But since I'm not, I can't supervise everyone, uh, so I'm, I'm, I will work with something which is here. And that might be some discomfort in your body or your tiredness or your, or your tension in your right shoulder or something. So we will work with something which is manageable. Yeah? Okay. So let's have a break. Let's uh, settle in um, by uh, just uh, gently slowing down. And if you like, you can close your eyes or keep them open. Then you leave your gaze, gaze open without particularly looking at something. Just gently come, become aware of your posture, the way you sit, and how the floor carries you, or the chair. Notice the energy now after the break in your body, in your mind, talking and connecting with others. And then gently Pay attention to the breath. You don't need to particular focus, just in a, in a light and friendly way. You become aware of the coming and going of the breath. Now bring the sensations of breathing into the foreground of your awareness. 
So everything else can be what it is. The, the thoughts and the sounds, other sensations in the body. Then I invite you, without losing attention to the breath completely, I invite you to scan your body and allow your mind to go to an area of discomfort, an area of tension, something which presents itself. And that can be physical discomfort or emotional discomfort. And allow yourself to settle within a certain area. Just becoming aware. Holding this area gentle. Touching it softly. <clears throat> and then with the in-breath, you bring your breath into that area, exploring, attending. Becoming more intimate. Or you could also say to bathe that tension, that area of discomfort with the breath. like touching that area with the breath. Not to chase it away, but to welcome it. And then with the out-breath, you give space. and discover space. So the breath goes natural, naturally, touching, and with the out-breath you give space. You let go.
notice if there's change And then whenever you notice that you get carried away, if that would be fear now, then that would be fearful thoughts. But whatever now presents itself in terms of stories or images, so when you notice that you get carried away, you gently use the in-breath again to go back go back into the body, to attend to the body, to attend to the area of discomfort, of tension. Breath, you give space, you discover the space. And maybe you can broaden that aspect of space. of the stillness, of the spacious quality of this moment. With the out-breath. With the in-breath, touching softly, holding gently. investigating into the sensations. Noticing their non-static, transient and permanent nature, how they change and move and how there's flow. And with the out-breath you give space.
And then towards the end of this meditation, I invite you to become aware that just now there's so many people, so many beings, which touch a similar or the same kind of pain, the same kind of discomfort. So it's not personal, it's the discomfort we all share. It's the tension we all share. (coughs) And when you give yourself healing, you give healing to everyone. There were two people asking about, uh, in the break, about refuge, so um, maybe it was a bit confusing because I was mixing uh, some things, uh, so I, I, I would like to maybe clarify what create more confusion. Um, so what I talked about was uh, finding a safe place as a kind of preliminary practice before you go into a challenging area in your inner life. Uh, a possibility, and it is wise, to first connect with the resource, to first connect with a safe place. It's like a child exploring the world. The, the child starts by hanging on to the mother, and then it goes a little, and then it comes back, And then it goes a little, and then it comes back. Uh, And uh, um, first I talked about the possibility to find uh, that safety, that sense of safety, a place of comfort uh, within your body. So very, uh, not not abstract, but just... uh, Right now, there is places of tension and pain in your body, but there is also places of <coughs> comfort, of safety, of of more of more ease, and you can become aware of that. 
It's like kind of, maybe one could say it's a kind of anchoring. And uh, the, um, the, the features of the meditation posture is this kind of anchoring. No, there is this uh, mutra the Buddha makes. It's called the earth-touching mutra. Yeah? So that is like the Buddha expresses, expresses with that, I have the right to be here. And it's like uh, it's touching the earth. Well, that's that. I have the right to be here. And there's other features in the posture, you know, the openness of the chest, the connection uh, with, the, with the root of the earth, like you're sitting really on the earth. So that's... Um, Possibility, and then I was talking uh, about uh, a safe place or a safe direction or the refuge, which is being offered in the Buddhist teachings as a safe direction. And uh, it's of course interesting to explore what is actually meant when we say "I take refuge to Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha." There's levels to it, yeah. And on on a more profound level, also the Buddhist refuge. When you talk, when you say, "I take refuge in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha," it's like on a more profound level. It's also an inner refuge. You take refuge into something in you, into your Buddha nature, into your innate, into your capacity for wisdom and love, which is there, according to the Buddhist teachings. But I started with a more like, um, you know, kind of more simple maybe, with uh, with the with the body, and then cultivating refuge in in the Buddhist teachings is very profound. It's not like a beginner's practice, like okay, it's like I do it in the beginning. So and since. Uh, there's all kinds of people here in the audience. Uh, I kind of uh, mixed up these two. The, the Buddhist, uh, what is meant with refuge, and a more body-oriented or psychological-oriented approach to connecting with a safe place. Okay, so are there any questions? about what I said, or... Yes? I don't really understand what you mean about to give space. Mm -hmm. Is it to make the world bigger? What happened uh, when, when I said that for you, give space? Mm, I don't know, it was like first I tried to focus on attention. Yeah. And, uh, but it was really, I don't know, my breath was <coughs> fast, but I think it, it was 
it's a bit stressful because I inhale and then fast I have to think of something else. Yeah. And then I have to go back and then I have to go. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I thought it was more like focusing and then out and then focus on the out. Yeah, and that and that was confusing or uh, I just uh, didn't know if it was the right way to do it. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. It was a bit stressful. Yeah. What? Why was it stressful? Uh, to change focus. <coughs> yeah. Mm. Yes. Uh, so. That, that that it's maybe I think it's it's a good idea to stay first with one aspect of this, like with the in breath, and just uh, do nothing with the out breath. Just use the in breath to keep your mind in connected with the sensations. Like, does it make sense? Uh, to hear bathing the sensation in the breath? Yeah. It makes sense. For some people, it does not make sense at all when yeah, I say that. Like yeah, so maybe one could say you pay attention to the sensations without losing the attention to the breath completely. So that could be another description. And then slowly, uh, once you get got used to this, you know, with the out-breath, a sense of letting go. It's like in-breath, out-breath. In-breath, leaning into the sensation, out-breath, letting go. Giving yourself relief, maybe, could be a word which makes sense to you. And then with the in-breath again, a little more. And with the out-breath. So letting go is more like running back to your mother. Hmm? So letting go is like running back to your mother. Yeah. That could be a very powerful image. (laughs) Uh, Because what, what... in what I hear when you say uh, running, like from a Buddhist point of view, mm-hmm. running back to the mother is running back to the ground of being, which is the vastness, the openness, the the, the great mother, yeah? the, the, the Buddha nature. So that's, uh, and it's, it is called sometimes mother. Yeah, yeah running back to mother. <laughs> And the, 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 the Buddhist refuge is that, you know, running back to mother, to the ground of being, to the womb of totality, which in the Buddhist teachings is said to have like a fe- female, feminine, it's a feminine aspect. So the emptiness is feminine. 
and it's being when it's manifest, it's being uh, uh, symbolized by Tara and the female, the fem- feminine and female deities in, in Buddhism. So it's uh, so, and this is very important, like. Uh, to find your, you know, to find that which makes sense to you, because it's no, like some of the instructions I give, they don't make sense. You can't connect. What does it mean? It's too complicated, or it stresses me, or yeah. So to, and that's why I use different, you know, I play with words and I play with instructions. Um, so it, it's very good that uh, you you start to discover ah, that's why it's also good to listen to different meditation teachers because then you can pick up and find uh, the instructions and words words which which speak to you. Uh, Running back to mother. Yes. Because I thought the opposite actually. Yeah. Uh Letting go of mother is to facing... Fear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but when you say letting go of mother, then you you mean like holding on on some safety outside. Yeah. Yeah. So you let go of that. Yeah. Shopping. Or yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So you let go of the the mother as something in the outside world. Yeah. yeah? And so. Here, the the mother means the great mother, yeah. the, the ground of being, the womb of totality. Any questions? Well, I have something. Yeah. Maybe it's stupid, but I, I want to. No, I don't it. think so. Uh, I forgot to go to my safe place and I uh, went to what I understood that we should go to that um, tension area. Um, did I have to go to the safe place first first, and then to the tension? Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't, uh, in this meditation I assumed that we are all in a safe place. Oh, okay, okay. And then, oh. and then the the method was uh, to uh, to attend to the um, the tense, okay. to the to the discomfort, oh, to attend to the discomfort. I but of course, <laughs> with the befriend, with the befriend, with the letting go, you it's kind of opening also to the safe place. Yes, and uh, this is of course something. You no, know, to trust, attending, and befriending takes time because we believe so much in fixing and controlling and getting rid of and trying to find solution and explanations. So if someone says to us, you know, don't do anything. Just be with that. For, just let go of your fixing, controlling, trying to find explanation, trying to get somewhere. Just for, take a break. Just be with it. Then we say, 
because we are like no imagine you go to a psychologist or to, <laughs> to a psychiatrist that would be so wonderful when you go to a psychiatrist and he's really listening and he has an hour and he gives you space and he gives you compassion and then he invites you to just be with him Probably we will never go there again. <laughs> they are uh, writing a description on pills. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> and that's why it's so. That, that's why I say it's so difficult for us to trust love as the main healing. The ma- the main healing force. That's the ultimate medicine. And uh, by the way, I mean it's uh, like research shows quite strongly that what is actually the healing factor also in the in in a relationship to a doctor or at least a very important ingredients of the healing process is the empathy, the presence of the healer of the doctor. They think it's the pills. But that's just, you know, it's mainly placebos. All the pills are mainly placebos. Uh, but but uh, I I know in myself, and I I mean I be, I I have been talking about this for this now I don't know how many years, ten years, and uh, I have a lot of you know, evidence in my own life and with the people I work with and also through scientific research and but still, wow, it's so easy to fall into the fixing controlling in myself but also with others. This is like one of my main mindfulness practices when I work with people to call back my fixing controlling. And again and again I find myself to do it. It's so strong. Yes. Um, um, I wondered a bit about this feeling to want to control, but also, sometimes you have feelings that that when you have them, you act in a way that is not good for yourself or for others. And I thought, I know. Yeah. Or is there a way to be with an emotion without acting on them and finding a middle Yeah. Definitely this uh, 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 this method and many other methods they help you to uh, create some space like a moment you know so that th- like this method could be a support in uh, not um, not making not uh, making the fear the the energy with which you then do what you uh, like for example um, 
quite often aggression is a covering up of fear. It's like we can't stand in the fear or in the insecurity or in the invulnerability, so that's why we escape in this pseudo power of, of aggression. Yeah? So, and then we harm and we hurt and we, we, dis, we, we, we destroy relationships and we say stupid things. Um, so this method could be a method where uh, even if you do it, even if you do this only for like 20 seconds, uh, there could be some, it could give you so much space that you don't say the most stupid thing. <laughs> like the, the three words which will destroy the relationship forever. But you will say something which is still manageable, <laughs> which, which still makes it possible to stay connected with that person. So exploring fear is, uh, part of exploring fear is also to discover that it is underlying a lot of the things we do. A, a lot of other feelings. A lot of other feelings, like aggression, depression. Uh, if we, if we uh, become aware, if we become mindful, then we might discover fear. And in fact, from the Buddhist point of view, one could say that you know, it's like a basic insecurity, it's a basic, a basic fear, which uh, is like the, the reason for that uh, uh, most fundamental contraction of the self. Like the basic insecurity, the basic fear is like the most fundamental energy behind the ego. It's like not being able to stand within the groundlessness and the openness and the uh, unpredictability of this moment. And then there is this basic contraction, which is like a contraction, uh, a basic contraction in our mind-body system. So one could say that like this this is, of course, it, it could be like that if you dig deeper into fear, what you will find is the fear of death. And the fear of death is this fear of, uh, it's this fear which is based on the, ignor the ignorance or the confusion about who you are and how you exist. And, and then the other fears, they, they come from that. And we as, as uh, cognitive beings, as social beings, uh, we are triggered in that area by, you know, by social constructs, by w what other people think about us and, you know, family rules and, you know, all these stories uh, which we uh, have, which can trigger a sense of, you know, annihilation, like the, the, the 
ground fear it can be triggered if you can't pay a bill or if you are just about to miss a flight. It becomes a matter of life and death. So what you m move in, we have to stop, what we uh, gently move in when we work with fear is actually starting to sense and starting to realize that ultimately there's nothing to defend. There's nobody here to defend. What, you, what we are defending, what we are afraid about, the me, is, an, is a construction. It's made up. It exists. It exists as a construction. finished. <laughs> 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 yeah, for Sunday. Are you coming on Sunday? That was my question. Could we talk more about and on Sunday? Yeah. Compassion as a safe place? Yeah. The only true protection is compassion. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it was short. Uh -huh. I, I had a, uh, you know, uh, when was it? 95. That's almost 20 years I... I you know, when I met Tibetan Buddhism 20 years ago in, in Kopan, monastery in Nepal, uh, one night I'd had this dream about a demon in a, in, a, uh, in a tree. And it was a really terrifying demon. And, um, and I was really scared. And then uh, Lama Sopa came along, like, uh, as, and he had rain boots, and he was like a bit like a farmer. And he came to, uh, to on my side, and he said to me, "The only true protection is compassion." Yeah. And that's like, okay, you have this demon there, and it's terrifying. It's scary. And then, compassion. That's what I mean. And you can kind of feel, you can feel that potential. That, what we are afraid of, needs our compassion. And it's, it's something you don't need to talk a lot about. It's something you can sense. What you're afraid of needs your compassion. The people you're afraid of, the situations you're afraid of, the, 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 the aspects of yourself which you're afraid of.
So, let's continue on Sunday.